0: Amen. Amen. Well, y'all, this morning, uh, as you do on New Year's, I want to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. So I'm curious, like, how many of you right now on New Year's Day have a New Year's resolution in mind? Like, you know exactly what it is that you are focusing in on, all right? Anybody that you're more in the category of, I've got some ideas, but I've not made a commitment. I've got till midnight, you know, to to firm these things up. Now, how many of you are in a totally different category, and you would say, the whole New Year's resolution thing, man, it's just cheesy and silly. I'm all out, right? I hope you haven't just offended the people next to you that said they're committing themselves to something, right? But the truth is they, they can be cheesy, all right? I've got a really, really close friend, and his deal is always to come up with a, a catchphrase that rhymes with the year, right? So it'd be like, less of me in 2023, all right? Now, I don't know if less of me in 2023 is somebody that's dealing with uh, selfishness or someone that's working towards weight loss, all right? But less of me in 2023, that is kind of cheesy. Maybe it's someone that's looking at both. I want to be less selfish, and I want to weigh a little bit less. And sometimes I do think that we see them as being silly, too. I saw this meme, and I'll be honest, it it made me laugh. Y'all take a look at this. It says, may all your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. (laughs) If only life was that easy, right? If only our troubles were that small. Maybe we think New Year's resolutions are silly because sometimes we just don't take them (laughs) very serious, but I want you to think about this. So the New Year's resolution folks that are all in and the New Year's resolution skeptics, I want you to think about this. At the end of the day, a good New Year's resolution is really just a personal goal that's timed with a fresh start and a new beginning, right? It's a personal goal that's linked up and timed with a fresh start and a new beginning. And y'all, I think that's honestly a good thing for anyone, but I think that's especially a good thing for Christ followers if you're a follower of, of Jesus, the reality is that all of us as followers of Jesus are always engaged in this ongoing process of, of transformation. As followers of Christ, we're always looking to, to take that next step, to, to make that next move. We're always looking to be more and more conformed to the, to the likeness of Jesus, right? We're never going to achieve the same sinless perfection of Christ, but we want to become more and more like Jesus in our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes and our character, And so ultimately, we're all engaged in this process of transformation, and the reality is that's true, that that transformation is a process. It's it's hardly ever just something that happens instantly. It's this this Holy Spirit-driven work in our life towards personal growth where we're growing personally in a way that causes us to develop in maturity and move into faith development. Now that word maturity is actually a word that's really consistent in the scriptures. There's lots of places, particularly in the New Testament, where it talks about us no longer being infants. Right? We, we are reborn. We come to new life in Christ. and says, you don't stay that way. You don't stay like a baby. And when you, when you get the, the biblical image, it's like this adult that behaves like a baby. It's like, no, no, we got to grow up. we got to mature. And ultimately, that work of maturing, that, that process that God continues to do in us, working out our salvation and sanctifying us, making us more and more like Jesus, it's a process. And so this idea of having some kind of direction, some kind of focus, some kind of New Year's goal that's about our personal growth and development, well, this becomes a a pretty good idea. But the problem is our New Year's resolutions don't last very long, most of the time, right? Like less of me in in 23, whether you're talking about inches or, or ego, it often ends up perpetually waiting until next Monday. I'm going to start next Monday, I'm going to start next Monday, I'm going to start. There's always a next Monday coming, right? So either we we forget to start or the opposite happens. Man, we start super strong and then we quit quite quickly. You with me? I think we're all on the same boat. I know we are in one way or another. So my question for you this morning is, how can we change the way we think about change? How can we change the way that we think about being changed? How can we change the way that we think about this development? How do we change the way we think about this process? And there's a concept that I want to teach you that has been so helpful for me in so many different directions in my life. And this is it. It's about training versus trying. All right, maybe you've heard me talk about this in the past. Maybe you haven't. Training versus trying. This has been so helpful for me to understand this. Let me help you to understand exactly what I'm talking about. This is the best way for me to to communicate training versus trying. Now, how many of you, one of your New Year's resolutions is to run a marathon? No judgment. Yes, I see you. I see you. All right, you're a great example of this. All right, so here's the deal. If you're going to run a marathon, which is 26.2 miles, let me just make this personal. If I was going to run a marathon, 26.2 miles, and I decided after this service this morning, I was going to go out and do that. I was just going to start here and start running until I hit 26.2. And I just went for it. I was like, I'm just going to try today to run a marathon. Let me tell you, I promise I will fail miserably. I'm not making it to the wilderness golf course. I would fail so, so miserably if I just tried to run a marathon. Marathon runners don't try. Marathon runners train. One of my closest friends, marathon runner, right? I've watched it. He runs one, and then he runs two, and then he runs five, and then he runs 10, and then he runs 15, and then he runs a 20, and he runs the 20, and I think, why didn't you just go ahead and run the 26.2, you ding-dong? Like, come on, that would have been a marathon. You could have done that today. But they train, and incrementally they break it down, and they keep going, and they keep going, and they keep adding, and adding, and adding, process upon process, progress upon progress. That's what it looks like to train. And so if we're going to lean into this idea of training versus trying, is recognizing that our trying isn't getting us very far, and there is a training that goes on here. So for me, if I'm going to run a marathon today, I'm going to start with the point two right? Like, I'm just going to try to nail the point two, and then maybe tomorrow we'll go for the point four, and then the point eight, and we'll work our way up to a mile, and I'll run that one mile race, you know? I'm not doing any of that, I promise. You don't have to worry about that. But y'all, for us as, as Jesus followers, I think so often we want this work of transformation. We want this change to, to take place in us, And we wanna see this as something that's done supernaturally or miraculously, right? God God is supernatural and God does miracles. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe that at times the Holy Spirit of God delivers people instantly out of sins and struggles. I do believe that. But more often than not, In my own life of following Jesus, in my own life and ministry of leading others to follow Jesus, more often than not, what I've seen is that growth and change takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it's usually a long, hard slog in the same direction. Is that your experience? Like, I believe in the miraculous. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But more often than not, the way that I see that God works in this is in the process. I want you to see this personal growth. Training versus trying is typically... Process, not event. Personal growth. Man, it is God's work. Don't deny that. It's the work of God in me. In fact, there's some things that have been personal goals of mine that I have finally found some success in. And if I'm honest about it, the reason is because I've made them God things and not just me things. Right? I've asked God to help me with these things rather than just pulling myself up by my bootstraps and tackling these things on my own. It's a God thing, but it requires my participation, my effort, my energy, my commitment, right? We have to bring ourselves into this as well. That's right. Even when it comes to that Holy Spirit-driven personal growth that continues to develop us in maturity and faith, it takes training. And I hope that encourages you today. Maybe you're tired of trying, and for the first time, a light bulb's going off, and you're like, "Man." Yeah, I just need to take baby steps. Yeah, I want to take next steps, but they're going to be point two kinds of steps. I'm going to add step upon step upon step and see development and growth and maturity take place in my life because I've been trying wrong, and I need to train different. Our transformation involves training so much of the time, and, and, and that alone, I hope, changes the way that you think about all of this. See, as Jesus followers, we don't have spiritual goals And then non-spiritual goals. Does that make sense? Like as Christ followers, it's not like we have this category of of goals or resolutions that are like physical goals. Like I intend to to lose weight or or work out and exercise. And those are my physical goals. And then I've got these professional goals. Like I want to develop these certain skill sets in order to to further myself in my career. I want to develop these leadership skills for my career. Or I want to achieve this kind of promotion. And these are my physical goals and these are my professional goals. And then over here I have my, my spiritual goals. Maybe things like, I intend this year to to pray more or to to read the Bible more, and these are my separate set of spiritual goals. That's not the way that it works for us as Christ followers. No, Christ follower, all of our life is spiritual life, right? Like 100% of us is immersed in our faith, and so it's all connected. And my point in that is this, is if your goals, if your next steps are about changing things physically, don't separate that from the spiritual. Right? If your resolutions are about your career and your advancement, don't change that. Don't separate that. Don't, don't separate that out from the, the spiritual. Recognize that like that place, that work, that, that spot where you spend 40-plus hours a week, man, that's your mission field. Like, commit that to God and recognize that's His space and ask Him to step into that space and do what He wants to do in terms of skills development and leadership promotion and those kinds of things in your life. Don't separate these kinds of things out. And maybe just that will change the way that you think about change. But today I want us to talk about a specific goal. It's been a goal that we've put in front of our church for many years now. And it's a goal that I think is a great New Year's resolution. It's something that I love that we do. And what I want to do today with this idea of training versus trying is I want to take us on a training camp for this specific goal. All right, here it is. It's Read all of thee in 2023. All right? That's cheesy. I shouldn't have said it. And that's not actually even my intent. I'm not challenging necessarily everyone in this room or everyone that's with us online to read the entire Bible this year. That would be calling you maybe to trying when you just need to engage in in training, right? Remember... Maybe you just start with the point two of the 26.2. No, our goal is to increase our Bible engagement, our individual, personal Bible engagement. And this morning, I want you to grab one of these cards from the seat back in front of you. On the front side, it says personal growth. This is our personal growth card. And on the front side, you have our stop waking pathway. On the back side, you have our guide marks for growth. I want you to look at side two and the first of the guide marks. The front side helps you understand where you're going, and the second side helps you understand what you're doing, all right? So on the G of the guide marks, the first one is growing, and it says growing in knowledge and application of the Bible. That's there because G is first in the word guide, but that's also there because it's at the beginning of our priorities as followers of Jesus, growing in knowledge and application of the Bible. When you do this, you become more devoted to God and God's word and God's ways. And ultimately, that's what this 2023 Bible engagement thing is about. It's about each of us individually becoming students of the Bible. And investing ourselves in it, engaging with it, and learning it, not just so we know the Word of God, but also so that we can do the Word of God. Remember, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're seeking to become conformed right, to the, to the ways of Christ. We have to know His ways, but also to walk in those ways, to become more like Jesus in our actions and our character. We have to know it in order to do it. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about here, engaging the Bible and becoming a student of the Bible. So to take us on this training camp today, I want to answer three important questions. What, how, and why? What, how, and why? And we're going to start at the very beginning, right? 26.2, we're just taking on the point two. What? First of all, what even is the Bible? We're a church for the unchurched, y'all. So let's not assume that everybody has the same working understanding of what the Bible is. Right. Let's not assume that. Let's not pretend for all of us that it's simple and easy to understand. Can we be honest enough with each other to admit that the Bible is pretty complicated today? It is. It's pretty complex. It's pretty complicated. There's some pieces of it that that we need to come together for us to have context. We're going to take on the what? We're going to take on the how. How should I read it? How should I engage it? How should I come at this like a marathon runner so that I can set myself up to win? And we're going to take on the why. And in my opinion, that is the most important question for us to address. Why do this? Why read the Bible? And I'm going to save that for last because it's most important. So we're going to start today with the what. And one of the best ways I know to help you engage this, what is the Bible, is a quick five-minute video that I think will be engaging for your children. All right? So y'all take a look at this and take some notes the as Bible. You
1: learn. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've
2: probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. and. These prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and
1: life and the human struggle. So, there's a lot of different authors writing this book.
2: Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand-year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually, they were conquered by the Babylonians, who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophets' point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now,
1: there are other Jewish writings being produced during this second temple period as well.
2: Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures.
1: So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this?
2: Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh
1: story forward. Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff, was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead.
2: Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called Apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these Good News, or the Gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world.
1: And they saw these writings as part of the scripture.
2: Yeah, the Apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believe that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel.
1: So that's the Old and New Testament, but what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature?
2: Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with
1: the Jewish scriptures. Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures, we've got these other Second Temple period works, then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature, so what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement has taken different forms
2: over 2,000 years, and from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the deuterocanonical books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments.
1: Okay, I think I got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story?
2: Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video.
0: If only all of life came with an animated graphic, right? (laughs) Raise your hand if you learned something new, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what you see in this, and if you want to hear the next one, they're out there. I can't recommend these Bible Project guys enough. There's a link in the BPF app this morning. You can go to that, and you can find uh, their website. In fact, let me just endorse their, their breakdowns of each book of the Bible. Super helpful overviews. But what this video talked about is the fact that the Bible is like a library. It's 66 books that all tells one story from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. It shares with us Israel's story, and then what comes out of Israel's story is the gospel story, the story of Jesus, and then ultimately Jesus' story is the central story that changes our life's Story. We've got a resource that we've provided for a while called Long Story Short. It's on a seat near you. If you want, like, that in a, a, a synopsis of that, it tells you how it moves from the beginning to the end with the Messiah being at the center. Take one of those long story short cards home with you this morning. But the point that I want to make more than anything is this. I hope you learned something in that video. And the reason why it's so important to understand that meta-narrative, with the big picture of Scripture is that context is everything when it comes to understanding the Bible. If you want to understand Jesus, you have to understand the whole of the Bible. Context is critical, and it's so meaningful when it comes to this goal of Bible engagement. All right? We want to know it so that we can do it, and we want to do that together in 2023. So that takes us to the second question in our training camp, and that's the how question. How can we engage the Bible? Well, if you're going to run a marathon, where do you start? You develop a plan, and you decide if you're going to go 1 to 2 to 5 to 10 to 12 to 15 to 20, right? And what I want to lead you to do is to to take on a plan. I want you to pick a plan. How? Pick a plan. Now, At the risk of turning our training camp into an infomercial this morning, I want to share with you several different plans, and I want to encourage you to use the BPF app because there are links to all of these in there. And I want to start with one that I don't have a resource to show you because it's all on my phone. But this past year in 2022, I've used the Bible recap with Terry Lee Cobble, and I cannot recommend this enough to you guys. It's a chronological Bible that walks you through the entire Old Testament and the entire New Testament, but it does it chronologically as those events occurred and happened. And every day's reading comes with a commentary that tells you some things about what you just heard. She draws out some truths. She points to some detail. She helps you understand the context of what you're reading, a little bit about the authorship, a little bit about the, the circumstances and the situation. But more important than anything in her commentary She does a daily God shot where she talks to you about the character, the love, and the nature of God. And every single day encourages you to think on how good God is. The Bible Recap is awesome. And I have had a great experience with it. And again, totally encourage you to do it. It's got that daily commentary. It's digital. There's also a print version if you prefer that. But I also want you to hear me say this. There is also a just New Testament version of the Bible Recap. So, training versus trying. If you're like, man, taking it on the whole thing, Genesis to Revelation, that's too much for me. I've tried that too many times and not succeeded. Take on just the New Testament. Start with that point two version of that experience. But if you go to the U version Bible, you'll find the older, the new. If you go to the link in the BPF app, it'll take you to how to get started on all of those Bible recap plans. The second one that I want to tell you about is this it's the E100, which stands for Essential 100 Readings. The E100, has 100 different readings, 50 Old Testament and 50 New Testament that have been selected by a pastor and scholar. And the idea is this, that he can take you through these 100 readings in a way that you get the big picture of the Bible without getting bogged down in some of the details. And so you'll get that big picture understanding of all the major characters and the storyline and how it all points to the Messiah and the purpose of the Messiah by just going through these 50 old and 50 new. I've got some of these available. I'm going to be at this table after the service. I'd be glad to give you an E100 today. But one thing that we have learned is that it comes with a, a commentary guide. It's kind of like what Terry Lee Cobble is doing in the Bible Recap. If you want someone to explain to you what you're reading in each of those E100 days, that's what this devotional book is about. And it's also got some space for you to do some journaling, and it has some good uh, application kinds of questions for you. I've got these, and I'll show you how to buy this. But you can see all of that on the BPF app as well. All right, lastly, I don't want to uh, forget that we've got kids in the room. Kids? and families and I'll tell you in just a few minutes but even adults this 365 day storybook bible is a great way to walk your kids your family or yourself devotionally teenagers students children through the bible in 365 days and it is a storybook approach it's not a word for word movement from genesis to revelation it kind of takes that big characters meta narrative story of scripture approach and the reason why I wanted to say there's a little bit of a caveat to that is that is not just for kids adults There is no shame in starting there. If you come here and you go, man, I know almost nothing about the Bible. Well, let me encourage you to start with this 365-day storybook Bible, because it's a great way to learn those characters. It's a great way to learn the story. And you can engage God just as much through that as you can with anything else. All right, so remember this. Training versus trying, that means that maybe seven days a week is too much for you and you want to start with five or you want to start with three. You gotta set goals that are realistic, right? Maybe you want to start with just the New Testament. Maybe you want to start with just a book of the Bible. Let me encourage you towards John. We're going to pick John back up next week as we continue our journey through John with Jesus as a church together. So think about just John. Think about just 15 minutes a day. And don't just pick a time. Uh, Don't just pick a plan. Pick a time. Recognize that each of us are made and modeled differently. My wife Ashley and I are so very different. Opposites attract. Well, then we are definitely uh, attracted opposites. Ashley's a morning person. I'm not. So maybe you're an early bird. Maybe you're a midday person. Maybe you're a commuter that has time in the car. Maybe you're a night owl. Maybe you're a free spirit. My point is just this. Do what works for you. Find the time to spend in Bible engagement each day in a way that works for you. And recognize that that's okay. You don't have to start your day with it. If starting your day is the right way, go for that. Honestly, the way that I've worked through the Bible recap in the course of 2022, and I finished it yesterday was 99% of the time I was listening to that after I dropped my youngest daughter off at Rasco and then I would get to my office. From that time from Rasco to my office, that's when I was listening to the Bible recap and then I'd sit in the parking lot in front of the office for about five to ten more minutes to finish my daily reading and that's how I made it through the Bible in a year. So you do what's right for you. Now as we wrap up, I want to make sure that we spend some time talking about what I said is the most important question for us to answer, and that's the why question. Why read the Bible? Like how? We can talk plans, right? What? We can learn more, and we can grow more and more and more and more in our knowledge, but let's make sure that we capture the heart of this, and that's the why. And to understand the why behind it, I think we probably need to go to the Bible itself. That makes sense, right? Let's look at some scriptures together. Let's start with 2 Timothy 3.16. Listen to this. This is the Bible talking about the Bible, all right? 2 Timothy 3 is in the New Testament. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and, focus in on this, training in righteousness. You see that? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, The scriptures are useful for training us in righteousness as we train to to take on the beliefs, the thoughts, the actions, the character, and the qualities of Christ in our life. The Bible helps us to develop in those ways of Jesus. It's useful to teach us. It's useful to correct us. It's useful to prepare us. But as good and useful as all of that is, that is still not the most important reason to engage the Bible. It's good. It's useful. But that's not yet our primary why. Let's look to the Old Testament. Psalm 119, 105, says this, speaking to God, your word, right? Your word, the word of God. We describe the Bible as the word of God. God breathed. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So it's describing the Bible as this illuminating guide right? The the word of God becomes this illuminating guide in our life. And y'all, who doesn't want guidance? I know you do. I do. Like we pray so often that God would reveal next steps to us, that God would make things clear for us, that he would help us to discern between two different things that seem to be good, right? We want God to guide us. We want him to direct our next steps, And the truth is he does that through his word. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It gives us direction. It gives us guidance. It helps us to understand our next steps. And as good as that is, right? This church's mission is to guide people to take their next step with God. As good as that is, as important as that is, as critical as that is, that's not our primary why. In Bible engagement, it's good, but there's something better. I want to stay in the same chapter of Scripture, Psalm 119, but I want to instead look at verse 151. Yet, you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true, right? All the commands of Scripture are true. Everything that God says in the Word is truth, and we can build our lives on this truth. But the most important part is not the guidance that we get, it's the guide. It's the, the Lord is near in the scriptures, like John one one in the New Testament says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, these two verses together they speak to the most important why behind Bible engagement, y'all. It's one word. It's relationship. It's relationship. We read the Bible because we want to connect with the author. We read the Bible because we believe that it's a a love letter written from God to us in an incredibly unique and miraculous way, yes. But at the end of the day, we read the Bible because God is so near, God is so present, and God shows up so strongly in his word. Bible engagement. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Bible engagement is not religious activity. You can make it that, but at the heart that's not the the why behind this New Year's resolution. Bible engagement is not something that's motivated by guilt as this sense of I have to do this. Y'all be honest about me and my personality, I rebel against anything that I feel like I have to do. I'm all heart. No, it's a get to. It's a get to that's motivated by love. And relationship. And our Bible reading becomes a practice that facilitates connection between me, between you, and the God of the universe. And it makes the God of the universe so intimate and knowable, and it makes your relationship come alive. And that's why it's worth investing yourself in. That's why it's worth training in. That's why it's worth all of us collectively together as a church family saying we're going to take on a goal to increase our Bible engagement in whatever plan because we want to see God do a work of personal growth in us. And I'm willing to engage in the long, hard slog of living in discipline and walking in the process of God forming me into the likeness of Christ so ultimately, I have one last question for you. Is will you train for increased Bible engagement in 2023 in order to connect with God? What's your next step? We'd love to help you take it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to kick our year off with this challenge this morning. God, I pray that you would protect everyone in this room, including me, from getting involved in just religious activity for the sake of checking off a box, but that you would engage our hearts and our minds fully and completely, and that you would facilitate greater connection and relationship with you as we engage you through your word. God, we thank you for the gift of scripture. It is a gift to us, just like prayer is a gift. And ultimately, God, we want to know you. And we want to experience you in our Bible reading and our prayer. And our heart's desire, God, is to do that so that we can live on mission and make you known. God, we pray that you would do more of that in us this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God.